Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on a, another grand, glorious, and a bit blustery day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we are going to spend a little bit of time here right up till about 5 o'clock engaged in our traditional, energetic, and entertaining conversation. Local, state, national news and politics, we always cover that. Today we'll uh, talk about cars. I think we're going to talk a little bit about cars. It was a lot. Of, it actually going to be a lot of politics. It'll be a lot of Trump today, as it turns out, because we've got some interesting guests for you later on that topic. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today, which is great. Thanks for spending some time on your radio at Information One Thousand KSOO, streamed live at KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. You can always get us on Facebook Live. When we got the Wi-Fi working, which we do today, and our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. And uh, the Twitter account is a great place to get in touch with us and just chat up a little bit, get some links, find out what's going on, play along at home, if you like. Uh, it's September 11th, of course, and uh, uh, we still uh, mark that day, that fateful day, which is important, and we will be chatting a little bit about that later in the show as well, so... I uh, don't have a lot to say here. You know, uh, it is a little weird, though, because, uh, Dan, I am one of the few people in the world who did not actually experience 9-11 live. It's true. And why would that be? I was on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, at w- just before 8 o'clock pulled in, that morning? Pulled into the lot, and uh, as I was getting out of the car, there was a radio report uh, that said uh, there had been some sort of plane crash in New York City, but, you know. Didn't think anything of it. By the time I got done with the round at about 1130, <laughs> the world had changed and uh, got back in the car, turned on the radio and boom. So I don't have that experience of watching the towers fall. And at that time, you probably did not have a cell phone with you and people would be calling you and say, hey, Lally, there's stuff going on. No. And, you know, in those days, uh, there were cell phones, certainly, but they weren't nearly as widespread and uh, you didn't get news alerts on them and that kind of thing. They were just phones. So if you were out on a golf course or what have you, uh, uh, you know, you could be out there and you wouldn't know. It's hard to believe that something like that could happen in the world today and you would be completely oblivious. But we were. My friend Craig and I, we, we did not experience 9-11. It's a very strange thing to not have. Um, obviously, I went through all of it later. I was in the news business. But it I... I didn't get that sh- that complete uh, disbelief of watching it on live live on television, which is a strange thing. I was working in Yankton at the time, and I was doing the morning show, and I got a Associated Press bulletin from the news director. He dropped it in, and and I read it, and it says a plane has struck the World Trade Center. I'm like, oh really? So we and I did a, had to do a break before the top of the hour, and of course. The news was on at the at, at eight o'clock at that time. Mm-hmm. I had flipped the channel on the television monitor in in the studio to I can't I think it was CNN at the time. Mm-hmm. And then eyewitness the 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 camera was trained on the second mm-hmm. tower and and I saw the plane hit yeah uh, via video. And it's you couldn't hardly believe it, right? Oh, I mean, it was you just, just can't even believe it. No, it was it was just shocking. Yeah, and. I see everybody's explanation, you know, recounting of that today, and I just don't have that. It's a, it's a very, very strange uh, uh, memory to not have. 
You know, I can recreate it because I saw it afterwards, but that's not the same. I already knew what happened. I didn't get that shock, that just like visceral blast to my senses. And it was, and, and if, you, if you think of the, the other date in infamy that affected this country mm-hmm. greatly, mm-hmm. December 7th, 1941, mm-hmm. that was something that happened on American soil, but Hawaii was not a state at that time. And all we could get at that time were just teletype reports yep. from what happened. There were no live satellite uplinks from the islands in Hawaii no. to get an idea of what was actually happening. We saw September 11, 2001 in real time. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's always uh, weird to revisit that moment. Uh, and if people are doing it today, and we'll have ch- we have a guest later, we'll chat a little bit about that. It has an interesting story as well. Uh, also, another thing to note, tonight, the return of uh, public input at Club David, because there is a city council meeting tonight. We had a couple weeks there where there were no meetings, and then the holiday, and I was out of town, and blah, blah, blah. So now we're back down at Club David uh, doing public input. Come on down. Got the, drink, got the Greg Neitzert drink special tonight, and uh, we've got uh, city council bingo. Uh, and you know, it, we've been, we've been having a real good time down there, uh, just chatting about city politics and city government and, you know, things of this nature. So come on down six 30, we get going meeting starts at seven. If you got to go over to the meeting for any reason, just pop in, say howdy. A lot of people do that. They pop in, they say howdy, they go to the meeting. Maybe they come back after it's a good time. Uh, down on club David, right across from town hall, Carnegie town hall on 10th street between Maine and Dakota. So hope to see you there. We have a great show for you today. Our guests include Republican political analyst and witness to the Donald Trump historic visit, Tony Reese. He was in the room. He's going to tell us what happened. Gives all the shakedown behind the scenes, the things you didn't see on camera. The Boon Man is our weird friend of the day and uh, blogger Pat Powers of DakotaWarCollege.com, who does have a very interesting story about 9-11 uh, that he will relate to us. And I will have a P&L statement just after the next break. I was going to do this yesterday. I got sidetracked by the Donald Trump uh, tweet that was turned out to be, well, now they're throwing some low-level person under the bus on that, saying they added an extra zero. <laughs> to the, Ten years, not a hundred years. Eh, we'll see. Uh but today we're going to talk about, you know, where we're going. We don't need any roads. And uh, Scott Walker over there in Wisconsin saying some very interesting things. So we'll get to that right after this break. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Eighteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And it's time of the day for the PNL statement, where we look through the news for the stories that uh, bother us, make us weep like a child, or give us joy like no other. Uh, and yesterday, I was going to talk about this uh, story uh, involving roads and uh, S- uh, Governor Scott Walker over there in uh, Wisconsin. 
right? And I got sidetracked uh, by Donald Trump's tweet about uh, the GDP being greater than unemployment first time in 100 years. So, and you can, you know, that, that was unfortunate that I got sidetracked on that. So I was going to talk a little bit about uh, this, this story today from, it was in the Milwaukee uh, uh, Journal, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the, the big paper over there in uh, Cheese Land, lovely community. And then I saw this tweet. Okay, so this is a tweet, and I'm not going to linger on this, but this is a tweet from Jake Tapper of the, of the CNNs um, about a story uh, that is on uh, their website, and it's quoting uh, Donald Trump, the president, you know, that guy. The guy was just here a couple weeks ago. And he says, uh, I think Puerto Rico was incredibly successful, POTUS says, when asked about the lessons of hurricanes past. I actually think it was one of the best jobs that's ever been done. Puerto Rico was an incredible unsung success. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> that's exactly right. And then Jake adds, uh, death toll, uh, 2,975. Uh, I actually saw it from a tweet from David Froome of, I believe, The Atlantic, who said, does anyone on the actual island of Puerto Rico agree? And I don't think so, because it was not a good job. I don't, you know, it was not a good job. It was terrible. Those people were without power down there for months and months. 2,975 people died. Who's doing a good job in that? Now, it's a natural disaster, okay? You can't do anything about the hurricane. But you also can't say it was an incredible unsung success in terms of the response to it. Come on, man. My God, how do you just say these things? I don't, I just don't get it. It's actually what Trump does. He, he overstates everything. 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 No matter if it's good or bad. Oh, my gosh. So the great unsung success of Puerto Rico. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to keep going on with that because I'll just, I'll just get mad and that's not good because... It's, it's, I mean, just say the truth, okay? Just stick with the truth. It was terrible. It was terrible. You know? I don't... I, and, and, you know, he's trying to, like... Ay, ay, ay. What did he say? Every death is a horror, Trump said in early October before comparing Puerto Rico's official death toll of 16 at the time to a real catastrophe like Katrina in which more than 1,800 people perished from the 2,000 storm that ravaged New Orleans. And then it just keeps going up. But now they think it's 2,975 people killed in Puerto Rico. Unsung success down there. Uh, Anyway, I want to talk about this Scott Walker thing because it's actually pretty interesting to me. I mean, I'm a roads guy, right? I'm an infrastructure guy. I'm a transportation guy, all right? Uh, and the great unsung success over there in uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> it's not. I just wanted to say that. So here's a story from the Wisconsin uh, Journal Sentinel. Wisconsin's Governor Scott Walker suggests highways don't need more lanes when they are rebuilt, which is a shocking thing for a governor to say. Okay. Now, there's some context here that we're going to get to in a minute, but. Uh, I just want to read this a bit of this. Governor Scott Walker questioned the need Tuesday for expanding highways at a time when the state is contemplating rebuilding roads in the Milwaukee area and around the state. Without providing details, the GOP governor suggested the state could get by with adding fewer lanes when it rebuilds roads. Quote, 
there are some groups out there that want to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on more, bigger, wider interchanges across the state, Walker said. I actually think we should be fixing and maintaining our infrastructure. I don't know that we need bigger and better and broader right now when we have a changing transportation system. And I read that, I'm like, whoa. Scott Walker nails it. Because things are changing. And just making roads wider and wider and wider and wider and wider isn't going to help. So apparently he was talking to the Rotary Club of Milwaukee and the Milwaukee Press Club. And this was a a question. Um, So uh, this is interesting because uh, apparently the uh, Transportation Development Association of Wisconsin um, is uh, uh, not, not so happy because these guys represent, you know, like the people who make money off of building roads. So... But if you've ever been to Wisconsin, uh, you know, the Beltline in Madison is one of these places. Uh, I-39 where it connects with the Beltline. Uh, I-94 between the zoo and Marquette in, um, in, in, Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. These are, you know, they're congested roads. Um, but uh, he, here's the thing, though. It gets a little political because apparently Walker's Democratic uh, op- opponent has said that investing in roads uh, he wants more investment in roads and said he would consider all options for getting money for highways, including raising 32.9 cent per gallon gas tax. Evers, this is Mr. Evers. He's a Democrat, Tony Evers, state school superintendent. He hasn't said how much of an increase he would be willing to accept, a point Walker emphasized on Tuesday. Walker noted drivers are increasingly using hybrid and electric vehicles and questioned whether relying on the gas tax will remain a good way to fund roads in the future. He didn't address other alternatives for road funding highways, such as tolls or driving, charging drivers mileage-based fees. Quote, we can do it without a massive gas increase. So it becomes down to like a gas or a tax argument, you know. So on its, it's not as good as it looked on its face, but it's true. Okay, you can't just keep using gas taxes to fund your road program because people drive less and you want higher mileage. And it's it goes against your uh, uh, interest then to not raise, to raise the gas tax and to encourage people to drive so you can pay for the roads. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Okay, but we're stuck in this conundrum, this conundrum of driving. And uh, Walker also said, this is interesting, he raised questions about how much people will drive in the future, saying his two sons in their 20s use ride-hailing services, Uber and Lyft, more often than they drive. And so apparently this road funding thing has been a big problem over there in Wisconsin for a while. And then uh, I saw this from the coalition, uh, who are these people? Who are these people? The Coalition for More Responsible Transportation, which I think are probably my people. You know what I'm saying? And they issued a press release saying they... uh, uh, we're, we're happy. They're like, whoa. Uh, their head dude says, Governor Walker is absolutely right. Spending billions on bigger, wider roads is not a smart use of pet taxpayer dollars. That's uh, Peter Skopek. He is director of the Wisconsin Public Interest Research Group, Wisberg. Plenty of evidence shows that adding lanes just doesn't work to solve congestion, but it does drain resources from crucial transportation priorities. We need to start solving our transportation problems from fixing existing roads and bridges to providing mobility for everyone and not waste money on type of highway projects that should be in our rear view mirror. That's just awesome. Which is, uh, I, you know, I hope, I hope he's serious. I really do, because that that would be a, a, a shining example of not just doing things the way we've always done them, because 
you know, we don't can't think of anything better to do than to just add lanes and add concrete and add more miles and miles and miles of extremely expensive highway when there may be other solutions out there. That is the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me, you know, on anything really, but you know, on this. Patrick at KSO.com is my email. You can also use our Twitter account at P Lally Show, P L A L L E Y S H O W on the Twitters to chat with us. We always do appreciate it. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with the Boon Man on Weird Friends. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. The horse got fired from a cattle drive. Love North. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 45 right by my side. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and I am quite pleased to have on the line, and I don't think we've talked to him for a while because, uh, you know, I was off and some different things. The Boone Man is here for Weird Friends. Boone Man, how is you? Uh, fantastic. I'm glad that summer's back. Yeah. it was. I was getting tired of all that cool weather. Yeah, that's no good. And I couldn't get in the, uh, the hillbilly pool, you know, with that kind of weather. No. Really, the only thing I could do in there was get in there and vacuum and clean it, which is, that's no fun. No, not if you can't, if you can't just lounge in it. No, because it's uncomfortable. I'm telling you, it's uncomfortable walking around in that thing vacuuming. (laughs) Yeah. Only 70. Yeah. No, that's bad. So you're back in the hillbilly pool. I'll be back in it tonight. Oh, awesome. Floating around in it tonight. Although I'll have to get in there and vacuum because I didn't get in there for a while and it's got some. Leaves. Get some leaves and some sand, and yeah, it's got some stuff on the bottom. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, how long does it take you to vacuum out the hillbilly pool? <laughs> oh, it only takes, you know, it's 24 feet round. Yeah. You know, so it's what, 12, 12 13,000 gallons. It's four yeah. feet deep. It, uh, it takes, if you do it proper, yep. you know, maybe a half hour or so, just walking around. I got to say that uh, I didn't think that's something I would ever, uh, a sentence that I would ever say, which is, how long does it take you to vacuum out your hillbilly pool? I mean, that's... It kind of sounds dirty. It does. <laughs> it does. It's got oh. a different connotation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, did you get to watch any football? I did. I was racing, so I didn't get to see anything. Did you watch uh, yeah, football? Yeah, only about five or six hours. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So it was a good start. Yes, it was. You got to go in easy. I couldn't watch all the games. Yeah. But I did, uh, I, it was the debut of the um, the brats, that I, the homemade brats that I made two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Deer, uh, venison, and just a little bit of pork, uh, and man, were they good. So I can imagine. I can, my mouth is watering just thinking about them. Mm-hmm. I haven't had anything like that in a long time, you know, uh, because I, I don't eat any meat. You're going to put your land down. Yeah, I get it. Well, hopefully I'll get to see you soon. Are you are you watching football this week? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. How'd your how'd your Steelers do? Uh, they tied. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They tied with the Browns. With the you know Browns. that but is the best start to the Brown season in in uh, since two thousand four. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still that's not good for your Steelers. To, I mean, no, tie. it's not. It's stupid. They shouldn't have ties. What are we playing soccer? Uh, that's not good. Did uh, did Mini Boone lose his mind over that one or not? No, not too bad. He okay. was he was, uh, he 
was soothed a bit by the brats and the beer. <laughs> the first week of the season, you can't get yeah. too far enough. Yeah, it's early. Yeah. Hey, uh, did you see uh, uh, our old friend uh, uh, Burt Reynolds? Yeah. Ah! Passed on. That's sad. I know. Turd Ferguson. Uh, yeah, he, he passed away uh, last week. I know. Um, you know, in, in the, you know he's, he, he looks a lot older than 82. Yeah, he does, especially after all the work. Yeah, a lot of work and uh, a lot, I think a lot of hard living, especially in the 70s. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he lived that long, to be honest. I actually kind of thought, you know, he's one of those guys where you hear that he died, and you're like, I thought he was already dead. Well, you know, and he looked pretty good in the longest yard. Yes. The, the latest, long, not the old longest yard from yeah. 72, uh, but the, you know, the one from, what, 2008 or whatever. Mm-hmm. With he was okay. Hitler. But that's, you know, they can doctor that up pretty good. Yeah, oh, yeah. And makeup goes a long way and camera angles and whatnot. But, I mean, you know, looking over his career, uh, you know, I, probably my favorite Burt Reynolds movie, Deliverance. Yeah. Squee like a big for me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's a great it's movie, and he's really yeah. good in it. Yes, he is very good in that. It's a great cast, and it's a good show. Again, that's... That's Kelly's Heroes good. If it's on and I see mm-hmm. it, I gotta watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the uh, you know, kind of the good and the bad though. Uh, Smoking the Bandit, great movie. Yeah, great movie. Timeless classic. Smoking the Bandit two, horrible, horrible movie. Yes. Smoking the Bandit three, even worse. It, it was so bad that Burt wasn't even in it. <laughs> see that it would be that bad. Even Burt Reynolds wouldn't be in that one. But Jerry Reed was in it because he, you know, would do what anything. He gonna do. Right. I mean, he only had the one role. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's his strength. Although again, later in his career in the Water Boy, uh oh, as, yes. uh, as the coach uh, uh yes. know, the main coach, he did make a nice comeback there in in his older you know, to get a little retirement income. Mm-hmm. On the back of Adam Sandler, you always gotta appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh movies like Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run Great movie. I mean, the cast of Cannonball Run is just, it's unbelievable. It's kind of like the equivalent from the 60s. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Mm-hmm. If you look at the cast of Cannonball Run, I mean, you know, not just, it's not just Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much more than that. I mean, there are so many people in that. You know who is in that movie? Hmm. Jackie Chan. <laughs> really? One of his very first. <laughs> Um, U.S. Uh, movie roles. I did not know that. Jackie Chan and um, uh, another uh, Asian gentleman uh, racing in a, in a kind of a Subaru uh, rocket booster. I mean, a very um, stereotypical yes. Asian uh, drivers. <laughs> so, you know, kind of like uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's-ish mm-hmm. of the thick glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, you know, Dom DeLuise is in it. Um, uh, uh, Roger Moore is is in it, kind of as a parody on his. Uh, his uh, uh, what, was it, what was that thing he did? Uh, James Bond. James Bond. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Little thing we like to call James Bond. Yeah. Jamie Farr, Farrah Fawcett, oh, God. Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Adrian Barbeau. Do you remember Adrian Barbeau? I do. <laughs> oh yeah. Jamie for Terry Bradshaw was oh, in. Oh, that's right. Good Cannonball God. Run. See, this is this was Burt Reynolds sort of at the height of his powers, though. You know, so well, he could. You know, this is classic. It was 1981. It's yeah. after you know the Smoking the Bandit one and Smoking the Bandit two, and after he didn't you know be in Smoking the Bandit uh, three. Uh, the Cannonball Run, great movie. Cannonball Run, horrible movie. 
The second and then, one. Yeah, and then Speed Zone, which is really like Cannonball Run 3, but they figured they better change the name of it. Same thing. But, uh, you know, they just kept going on that. And then, you know, he kind of went away. And then Evening Shade. You remember Evening Shade, the, the television show? I do not remember this. What, what The Evening Shade. I, I have a vague rem- remembrance of the words, but not of the actual show. What? Uh, it was, it was, a, it was a, a sitcom. Uh, I would say probably in the you know, mid, uh, late 80s, maybe early 90s. Uh, he was a football coach. That couldn't uh, have been any good. No, it was good. It was a good show. Um, he had a pretty decent hairpiece. He looked pretty good. <laughs> Mary Lou Henner was in it. I just always uh, remember him. What was it? Uh, that one guy. Um, Mary Lou Henner. Hal Holbrook. Hal Holbrook and Charles Durning were in it. Uh, this TV show? Yes. I do not. I have no recollection of this TV show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's a pretty good cast. Yeah, well, it, was, it was a good show, and it was, uh, you know, probably... Three, four years on the television. That's pretty yeah. good. You know what I always remember was, wasn't it uh, Burt Reynolds who got really uh, mad? God, he was, at a, he was at a comedian on on Carson and, like, threw his water all over him and walked off, stage, walked off the set. Mm. Somebody was just giving him a hard time, and he just said, he turned to him and said, one more word out of you, pal, and it's lights out or something like that. Oh, no. I don't. I don't remember. I'll have to. I'll, I will research that and yeah. find that out. He was. He was not happy, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was. It's good TV though. Um, yeah. Reynolds. So he's. You know, the other thing about Reynolds, Burt Reynolds, and we should probably. Do you, Do you have a couple minutes? Cause I want to. I want to come back and talk about cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, yeah. and more about Burt Reynolds because yes. that's when I think about. I think cars. So we're going to come right back. We're going to talk more with the Boone Man. I'm Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. We weren't even supposed to be there. It was just another run. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we're chatting with the Boone Man on Weird Friends. And uh, we've been discussing the late, great Burt Reynolds. And uh, I got a note, Boone Man. Uh, yeah. on, on the Twitters, on the direct message from uh, our friend in Florida. We forgot that stuntman movie, Hooper, Hopper. Hooper. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's that a late addition. That was payday there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think, weren't they all paydays for Burt Reynolds? <laughs> payday, not payday. Oh, hey they, were all, they were all paydays, yeah. You know, the thing I uh, uh, always remember him, too, he was, he was always big on the talk show circuit, you know, yep. always chewing the gum. Yeah, yeah. Yep. making well, me <laughs> terrible guest. Terrible. Well, and then the, you know you gotta you gotta get on the YouTube's and look up the uh, when he's on Jeopardy on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and that's where that's where the name Turd Ferguson. Comes. That's when he, <laughs> oh, yeah. he Turd Ferguson with the big oh, with the big styrofoam uh, he, like Houston Oilers cowboy hat. Yes, know? that is hilarious. Yeah. That is one of the best bits ever. <laughs> Um, but when I think, I said earlier, when I think of Burt Reynolds, I think of, I think of cars. You know what I mean? Because of yeah. the, it was because yeah. of uh, Smokey and the Bandit and all that, and the Black Trans Am. And everybody of our era, everybody that I knew, wanted one of those Black Trans Ams. And I know a guy I just saw it was over at his house. He just bought a 1978 uh, gold Trans Am. Oh my! 55 uh, uh, Super Duty uh, engine and uh, you know the shaker hood and. And, uh, you know, it, it, and he bought that because when he was a kid, he was the youngest of three boys, and all his brothers, his older two brothers, got 
muscle cars mm-hmm. in the early seven, late sixties and early seventies. You know, they, one of them had a Chevelle, one of them had a Camaro. You know, in early seventies, pre unleaded gas. Mm-hmm. You know, big block four hundred plus. You know that, and then he, and then nineteen seventy eight <laughs> in high school, and the you know, the oil crisis, all that stuff. He got a citation. <laughs> Man, it doesn't get any worse than a Oh, man, those X cars from General Motors are Bad. some of the worst vehicles of the 70s and 80s. Outdone only by perhaps uh, uh, Wade's uh, uh, Ford Fiesta. Oh, <laughs> that was an international car, though. You know, that was, <laughs> That's right. uh, yeah, that was, that was built was, for the foreign market. Oh, that was a machine. But, I mean, you, know, you look at the 70s and the 80s, there was just some... And, you know, you think... You think about cars, and mm-hmm. you think, you know, you see all these great cars in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and, and then you think, who is going to collect? I'll, they're, they're out there, though, but who's going to collect mostly? You're not going to see a lot of Vegas. No, I was going to say the Vega. <laughs> you're not going to see a lot of Pintos. No, it's because they all blew uh, up. You're not going to see a lot of Pacers or Gremlins uh, or Hornet. Bring back the Hornet, man. Come on. You know, the Mustang too. What those sad were days those were. Terrible, terrible cars. The Mustang, uh, the, and then uh, the Vet. Both the Chevette <laughs> and the Corvette. You know, in the early 80s, the Corvette really, yeah. really was awful. What were those? They were very popular. Uh, our friend Rusty had one. Uh, the uh, Chevy, uh, oh, they were basically a box. Oh, it was a. Uh, um, they were uh, terrible. Cavalier. Cav- the Cavalier. The Cavalier Cowboy. And those things were awful. Awful. And you know what else was built on that was the Cadillac Cimarron, which was just, it was just a Cavalier with some badges on it. (laughs) It was an awful car. And then then Cadillac came out with another one in the 90s that I can't remember the name of it, but they should have named it, We Learned Nothing from the Cimarron. I remember that. Oh, I can't remember. It was a, like a compact was. Cadillac, and you're uh, like, "What's the point?" Yeah, uh, just uh, Cadillac. You want to be able to seat six for dinner. <laughs> but you don't want. You don't want a small car. No, uh, you want something big. I did yeah, see on the. I was driving back from uh, Pella uh, over the weekend, and I did see a guy with a new uh, Cadillac. Uh, what are they like? The CTX. Yeah, you know, nice car. With the Landau top, <laughs> and I was like, you, nice. "You, sir, have ruined that car." <laughs> yeah, quarter vinyl. That's nice. Yes. That's a nice touch. Don't do that. Don't. But, you do know, not that. all cars in the seventies were bad. You know, I have the seventy-five Caprice Classic convertible. Yes. Well, you still have that. Nice vehicle. I have that still. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's a nice car. That car. And then you know, I don't know if you remember, if you hearken back to our senior year in high school, mm-hmm. the nineteen seventy-six. Pontiac Trans Am Buccaneer Red with the T-tops. I do remember that because it's one of my favorite stories ever. Because uh, uh, you were, we were, it was senior dinner dance night yeah. or something like oh, that. No, homecoming. It was homecoming. It was homecoming. Yeah. Homecoming, and uh, you, we were hanging out, you, me, and Mike, and uh, driving around in the uh, uh, T-top because it was cool. Yep. And you said we should get this thing washed. Well, no, actually, as, as I recall, this was on the way to pick up our dates. Well, but I think you were going to pick up your date, and then you dropped us off, because we weren't all going to get into the Trans Am. No, I think it was me and you and our dates. That's who was going to be in the Trans Am, because I think, were we? 
Yeah, I think you rode with me. I no, you're right about that. Because I yes, no, you're we were wearing right. our suits. Yes, through the car wash, <laughs> which the 1976 Trans Am T-tops in the summer of or the fall of oh. 1982 had not weathered well. <laughs> no, I and they were no longer what you would consider watertight. <laughs> no, and it the water started coming in, and the soap. And I remember you just like, like, kind of like thought about it for a second, just dropped it into gear, gassed it, and we just kind of bounced out of that car wash. Uh, it was soap everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. It seemed like a good idea at the time. It was a clean car afterwards. It was, yeah. All right. Yeah. Now to clarify those old Cadillacs, was it the Alante or was it the Catera? It was oh, the Katera. Katera. The Alante, I really liked. That had the North Star in it. It was a two-seater. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But not, the, uh, it was the Katera. Katera. Yeah. The Katera. I could Katera less if I ever get to run. drive that one. Yeah. That's yeah, good. the Katera was awful. Well, at least the car was uh, clean for homecoming, and uh, no one was any the wiser because it was vinyl inside. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing but. That's, fine. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, Boone Man, thanks for the little uh, walk down memory lane. I appreciate sure. it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, rest in peace, Burt Reynolds, right? Yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Pat Powers of Dakota War College, and uh, we'll get a story of uh, his remembrances of uh, 9-11. It's a very interesting story. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Just a reminder, now through September 30th, the Great American Milk Drive, one in four children go hungry. Milk is an essential part of a child's diet. The next time you're checking out at groceries at any Sioux Falls Hy-Vee, tell them you would like to donate either a half gallon or full gallon of milk to the Great American Milk Drive. Your donations help Feeding South Dakota and provide milk to kids in your neighborhood who can't afford it. For more information on this or any other event, go to the calendar at KSO.com. Coming up after the news and weather, it's Pat Powers from DakotaWarCollege.com. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I choose my friends far too well and I'm on the pavement. And they're all down in the cellar with their government grants. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And uh, on most Tuesdays, we chat with Pat Powers at four o'clock. And today is no difference different from his uh, perch up there in beautiful Brookings, South Dakota, where he authors the Dakota War College blog. Pat, uh, how you doing, buddy? Good, good on a on a fine September day. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, um, it was, of course, uh, uh, 17 years ago um, that the uh, terrorist attacks took place in New York, Pennsylvania, and in Washington. Um, and uh, you had related this story to me. I think it's it's fascinating uh, juxtaposition of emotion, if nothing else. You on the, on the on September 11th. Uh, I was on the golf course. You were in a hospital with your wife giving birth to your son. It's an amazing uh, experience. Well, you know, it is, and, and I, I can't help but reflect back on it as I'm uh, 
you know, making arrangements to get a get a have a cake here for him tonight and getting presents uh, wrapped for his birthday. But yeah, my uh, my son, my oldest son, was uh, was born on nine eleven. Between the time the uh, uh, Pentagon was hit and uh, and the towers came down, hmm. that's that's just I, when I think about that. You know, everybody has their story, but here you are. How how were you able to process all that? while you were, you know, awaiting the birth of your son. Well, you know, and, and it was added to it was, uh, you know, the reports were coming in about uh, planes being grounded and, uh, and uh, planes, uh, one of the planes being uh, hijacked from the Newark, New Jersey airport. And, and that day, my dad... Hmm. Uh, was out visiting his family out east, and and he was flying out of that airport. So, you know, when the reports started coming in, my wife's in labor, and and I'm I'm checking air airlines and trying to get a hold of my father to to make sure he was not uh, on one of those planes. But uh, you know, thankfully, it came out okay, and and uh, had a had a somewhat frantic call from him that. Uh, they shut all the planes down, and he grabbed a rental car and ended up driving it back to South Dakota. From New Jersey? From New Jersey. Oh, my. That Because nobody knew how long, it, and I can't remember now how long it was before planes started flying in, but it was a, it was a period of time, but you just didn't yeah, know. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a couple of days they had everything grounded, but yeah, it, was, it was literally just chaos. You know, I, I, my wife was in labor, and... And you were starting to see some, uh, you know, as you, as you were in the hospital, you saw nurses and doctors in the in the maternity area, kind of looking at televisions, and you're trying to peek around to see what's going on. But obviously, there was, uh, you know, my wife was in labor, and and she just said, "I don't turn on anything in here." <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Know, she, she didn't want to be distracted because we had already had one false start. Uh, we thought she was in labor a couple of days before, and they said, "Nah." They they tried to uh, bring her around, but they couldn't. Uh, it, it, you know, the induction just uh, wasn't going. They yeah. said, "Come back in a couple of days." So, so this was, you know, already high anxiety for for her. But you know, and then to, to have all this happening uh, while you're in the in the midst of it. Uh, and afterwards, um, was it? Were you after it was all said and done later in the day? Were you able to actually kind of grasp? What had happened, or had, were you able to really sort of figure that out as it was going? Because you can't really concentrate. You're you're watching your son being born, right? Well, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, you know, you just didn't process it. And about the time we finally realized how, you know, how, uh, how much this was, you know, all, all the all the, you know, tragedy mm-hmm. around. About at that time, uh, the same time they uh, at the Pier Hospital they started playing lullabies for the children who were born that day. So as you're, as you're watching this coverage, uh, you know, you're also hearing lullabies for, for the new children being born among all the reports of, of you know, just a terrible carnage that was happening uh, on our East Coast. Mm-hmm. And you must really wonder then in that moment about the future of your child and what sort of world they're coming into. Well, you know, it, it makes, uh, obviously, you know, at that point, uh, you, you didn't know if, you know, are, are we, are we going to war? You know, are, are we're, 
you know, was this was this the prelude to to you know something far more widespread? I mean, very troubling is you know as as I think people back when you know we had Pearl Harbor and and other nationally tragic events, you know, there's just that sense of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so your son is 17 years old today. Happy birthday to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> he is. He is. After, you know, after uh, four girls, uh, kind of <laughs> kind of exciting to, to have a son at that yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. And what does he think about all this now that he has uh, of age and able to be cognizant of the, the sort of significance of it all? I mean, this, everybody's talking about this huge tragedy and moments of silence. And it's his birthday, man. How happy, you know what I mean? Well, How's he celebrate? Know, I, honestly, I, I, I kind of find him to, to be a, a little more reverent and, and subdued uh, about that because, you know, he, he certainly wants to, to celebrate his birthday, but I, I think he's, he's very cognizant of what took place on that day. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's... Uh, you know, and I don't want to say it's 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 bittersweet because it's an exciting time for him. Mm-hmm. But but you know, uh, he it's something he he doesn't you know he he talks about it, but doesn't uh, you know it's as I said he approaches it mm-hmm. with a bit more a bit more reverence in that you know this this happened on his birthday and 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 he's very aware of it. Yeah, I imagine people bring it up every time. That, like what today's well, your birthday? <laughs> well, you know he he hears it a little, and and you know some people talk about it being their birthday, and they're a little more active. But as I said, he he's a little quieter. Yeah. About it. Now we you wrote about this extensively on your blog at DakotaWarCollege.com. dot com, and uh, back in uh, well you you wrote about it quite a while ago, and then you posted it again I think in twenty fourteen, right? Well, you know I. I uh, you know, I tend to write about it annually because I, I, I like to I like to think that hope does spring eternal. You know, yeah. no matter no matter how bad things are, you know, one thing that's important to take from it is that we all come together and and work together as one country. At least for a while, um, <laughs> it, it was that way, and it seems it was a long. I mean. It seems like yesterday, and yet it was 17 years ago, and it is kind of hard to believe. I sound like an old man because I'm becoming an old man, but it seems like it was only yesterday, doesn't it? Well, yeah, you know, it it, it's, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my my father, uh, my father, who's uh, a retired FBI agent, he was in uh, stationed down in Texas when Kennedy was assassinated. Mm. You know, and you have those you have those milestones, national milestones, and you know, I I think the point is they 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 seem further and further away, but you know, there's there's always something that brings us together in a country, as a country, whether it's in in success or or in tragedy, you know, things things may seem dire at times, and we may seem like we poke at each other a little too much, but you know, we ultimately we are all members of one country. Exactly. Um, and this, uh, you reposted it at uh, today, I, th- I think it was today, DakotaWarCollege.com, yep. and people can go read your full account, and it's it's really quite uh, poignant. So nice job on that, Pat. Well, thank um, you. Uh, you want to hold on? Well, can I, I want to ask you about uh, Trump's visit to Sioux Falls. Oh, you bet. Awesome. We'll be right back with more Pat Powers on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
421 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are chatting with Pat Powers of the DakotaWarCollege.com blog, where he writes on uh, issues from the Republican side of the aisle and uh, various political events and such. And the biggest political event we've had in some time, President Trump was here last Friday campaigning for and raising money for Christy Nome in her gubernatorial bid. Now, Pat, I see a lot of pictures on your blog at Dakota War College. Uh, are, are you taking all these photos or I see your daughter was also there. How'd that work? Well, well, I had to, uh, I had to split up the duty. Uh, I, uh, I was part of the group that, uh, was able to, uh, show up at the airfield and, and meet president Trump at the, uh, at the airport. And then, uh, my daughter was over, uh, with a group of, uh, kids who went over to, uh, the event. Ah, got it. So you got you were just outside, but you're you're up close and personal here. Did you uh, get a little handshake, get a little slap on the back, that sort of thing? Uh, you know, I was uh, I, I was taking pictures. So I, I and there were a lot of people, and they were very eager to meet uh, meet President Trump. Obviously, you know, we're not a huge state, so we don't get a lot of presidential visits. And and really, um, you know, this was not a not a big public event. It mm-hmm. was it was a private function for uh, for Christy Nome. Um, and you know, if you think about it, uh, she is one of oh maybe two or three uh, non-federal candidates nationwide who uh, he's uh, done anything like this for. Yeah, but she's uh, she's been a good soldier for Trump, so it wasn't. I mean, it's not too shocking. My question is, did she really need the money? Well. You know, campaigns are are expensive, and you know part of it is uh, you know you're in this right now is the time when candidates are out raising money, and and this was uh, this was a good event for Christie. Um, does it? Is there any? So you were you were at the airport. Your daughter was inside. Um, they there are a lot of there were cameras in there, which I was surprised at. I didn't know they were going to allow uh, cameras into the fundraising speech uh, until well, very late. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's one of those where a lot of times they're, you know, with a with a more public event, it's uh, like a rally. It's it's a little tougher to uh, to see okay who's coming and how you know how does the Secret Service screen and and I believe most of the people there had to uh, provide their social security number and everything just for a nominal background check. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was a little more intimate crowd, but. You know, for for intimate, they had over six hundred people there, and and yeah. many of those were paying customers. So you know, they're there to support Christie and to, and to see President Trump. And really, they got they got the benefit of a public rally without having to go through maybe some of the uh, logistics of it. Because when you let all the cameras in uh, and you give a couple interviews, boom, you, you're getting the you're getting the coverage just like it was a big public rally when it was, uh, as you say, a more intimate affair, and you get to raise a bunch of money. Well, with uh, with presidential visits, you know, South Dakotans uh, uh, they they like President Trump, and and if you kind of notice the number of protesters they had there, I think they had more protesters at the uh, South Dakota State Republican Convention at Pier <laughs> than they did for the President Trump rally. Mm. It's spread out. It's tough to sometimes it's tough to uh, tell. I mean, there were some people along the way and all that, but. That's true. I don't know that there were there were certainly not hundreds and hundreds of protesters. That's for sure. No, no. I think there were maybe a a dozen or so, which 
you know, in our in our state's largest city at a we're at not an good event at, where Pat, come on, we're just not good at protesting. I don't <laughs> I don't care who it is or what their issue is. We're just not good at protesting. You know, we're all South Dakota nice. Yeah, that's right. So, what did uh, uh, what was your daughter's impression from the inside? Uh, she was right up close and personal there as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think she. I was told uh, she uh, she showed up early and staked out her ground like a boss, as, as was related <laughs> to me by one of the speakers. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, she she. Uh, follows in her father's footsteps nobody was going to get in front of her and so she was right up front and you could see the distance between her and the podium because mm-hmm. they they still uh, even with a a vetted crowd they they kind of mm-hmm. back for security oh absolutely so uh overall you think there's uh, is there any downside for christy Noem in terms of the governor's race and having uh, um president trump come in you know, not in South Dakota. I think it was a great event for her, and and it showed the president's deep level of support for Christie. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised that he uh, asked? Uh, he said, uh, "What was it, uh, Mike and John? Can you, can you give me uh, some changes in the libel law?" <laughs> that was a weird <laughs> moment. I got to say that. Well, uh, you know, as as from time to time, John and and the governor and. And Mike have, have expressed reservations. I can tell you that they greeted him very openly and warmly at the airport, and uh, and he w- and the president, uh, you know, he was very enthusiastic in uh, in coming off the plane and and meeting our delegation. It was uh, quite a day, that's for sure. Uh, Pat Powers, he blogs at DakotaWarCollege.com, and he's with us most Tuesdays. Pat, thanks a lot, and have a great week, and enjoy your son's birthday. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we've got more on the Trump visit from Tony Reese, uh, the KSOO Republican political analyst who also was inside. And uh, we'll chat with Tony a little bit about his experience with the president's visit last week. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Attempt to shoot a horse, you'll wind up bone. 4.35 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. That's going to make the plug for the artist there. That's Burlap Wolf King, Headlights. And uh, Thomas Hentges was on the show last week, I think, last Thursday. And uh, yeah, I like to use local music. So there you well, go. That's good. But I entered, I, and now I welcome in our local Republican political analyst, Tony Reese. Hi, Tony. Hello, Patrick. Thanks for, thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, uh, you got a hold of me because you, as I was talking about Donald Trump, you were on the inside of the Donald Trump visit, you ponied up the big cash. Well, not the big from, cash. From your, from your children's <laughs> college fund, and you, got, uh, and you went to see uh, Donald Trump at the fundraiser. Uh, well, how was it? Tell me, give, us the, give the good people some impressions of uh, the president up close and personal. Sure. Well, I'll just say I didn't, I didn't pony up the big, big cash. I did not big get a, cash. Did not, did not get a photo. Did not get my Christmas card picture taken. Uh, Come on. Uh, with the president of the United States. That was, uh, was a little, little rich for my blood. Uh, Could you see that happening or is that something that happened in a different room? That was something that happened in a different room. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's they did that, that kind, of, kind of backstage. Reports from it where there was a, a quick line three or four seconds, yep. shake a hand, snap a photo, move along, just like this, the, uh, the mall Santa. The mall <laughs> <Mr. Bunny. laughs> He's the White House Santa. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I got it. Hey, uh, uh, you didn't get a chance to tell him then that you had uh, that you've actually had uh, Donald Trump's hair cotton candy. I did not get a chance to ask him if he's even tried his own hair cotton candy, um, which is uh, which is unfortunate. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he, somebody has sent it to him um previously i don't know if that's in the woodward book or not uh, <laughs> um, that's real fear <laughs> yeah yeah having somebody make uh uh donald trump uh cotton candy yeah hair that's but the weird. the event was the event was good um i think uh your uh pat powers who was just on he was out at the airport doing the the meet and greet mm-hmm. there um reports from the inside uh talking to uh gop leadership were 650 plus tickets mm-hmm. sold to the event. I mean, just second I just got it gets, and then the zeros and the six and right, the five. No, yeah. That's a lot, a lot of money. money. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a lot of money. Uh, my, my quick and dirty calculations uh, were about 50 people. I heard paid the, the $5,000 mm. photo level. Whoa. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, so that was a $250,000 plus if you add in 600 at the $500 level, it's well over half a million dollars for an afternoon. And uh, she wasn't, you know, the thing is Christy was not hurting for cash anyway, right? I don't know. We don't, uh, I haven't seen a campaign finance report come but out she in has, a while. Now you have to explain this to me again and remind me because as a federal candidate, you can carry your money back to a state race, but you can't do it the other way around, right? That's my understanding of it. And last fall, when she announced that she was all in, she transferred a lot of, almost all of her money from her federal race into the state race before IM-22 was enacted and then enjoined and then redone. And yep. we can get into that mess uh, later, but that's my understanding is that you can you can pull federal dollars down locally, but you can't push local dollars up. Which federal. is weird because Bill Janklow then when he because uh, he had a, a pretty good chest going when he was governor, and then when he made the federal jump, he couldn't take that money with him. He had it sitting around. He was doling that out for years. Yeah, yeah. Wins you some friends. <laughs> <laughs> so the so Christie though now has I mean just padded that war chest a, a little bit more. Right. Um, do you, Honestly, though, do you see any downside? There have to be some downsides to having President Trump, who's, I mean, his popularity still in South Dakota is, I'm sure, nobody ever does any polls in South Dakota, but I'm sure it's above 50%. Yeah, well, I just, I did a little bit of research and uh, Morning Consult has his uh, net um, favorability at a plus 15. So that's taken the favorable minusing the unfavorable. So he's extremely popular in the state. Last I heard among republic registered republicans he's got he's second only to john thune mm-hmm. um in terms of popularity and support uh so for for the gnome campaign there really um isn't a downside i saw in the the argus leader um a headline calling it a calculated risk i think the calculus is all the money that she raised um and it was a, a probably a net positive for her to bring it in one interesting thing that i did observe well, there's, and I go to political events all the time. I kind of know mm-hmm. who I'm going to run into at certain events. And it's, a lot of it's the same old crowd. And certainly there are, those people were all there. But the amount of people that I've never seen at a political event in Sioux Falls before um, or around the state when I travel that showed up, took a Friday afternoon off, plopped down at least $500 to see the President of the United States and support Christy Noem, um, shows, I think, how wide the president's 
net of support is in the state for getting people out who don't normally attend political events and how good the Trump economy is going where people feel confident enough. Wow. In, did you see how, Dan, did you see how there, he flipped that? That was good. In, that was nice. Very well done, thank Tony. You, thank you. In, they feel good enough in their lot in life right now where taking a day off of work, flopping down five, and 500 dollars is a lot of money. Um, you know, per, it, especially yeah. if it's a couple, right? I mean, right. Yeah. That's, a that's G. ahead. Yeah. Now we're talking about a G. Right. Right. And so, you know, to, to come and say, thank you to the president for, for doing everything that he's doing, uh, for the country. And God, I didn't and know, I did not know that you had gone support, so uh, hog in for uh, representative Noam and her, in her race to become the next governor of the state of South Dakota. So, uh, so but you asked if there's a downside. Is there, a, there has to be some downside. I mean, there are people out there. Sure. Who, Trump is popular in the state of South Dakota. Um, he's less popular nationwide as we're seeing in some polling. Um, is there, if, if, even if things though crash and burn for the president, that's not going to hurt Christy Nome in a gubernatorial bid, right? No, no. I think the only downside or any of the calculated risk that is occurring, um, with the president's visit. And I think that they've actually exercised some great restraint, uh, would be from the Democrats or the Sun campaign. And how do we respond? How much do we push back? How, uh, how closely do we tie Nome to the president? Um, and they've, you know, done some exercises and great restraint that you don't see a lot in uh, Democrat campaigns around the country right now. Um, I did find it interesting that, you know, the president did mention, um, and I haven't looked at any of the voting records, mm-hmm. did mention that uh, Sutton um, was looking to increase sales tax revenue by, you know, you know and it's a, it's a revenue versus a percent. And so, I mean, when we use sales taxes, our mm-hmm. thing that gets a little wonky anyway, but the Sutton campaign released um, their version of the facts about how, no, he's voted for a tax. So, so uh, the, 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 the response would be that, that the president coming here has pushed um, Billy even further from the left of the Democrat Party that's gone so far to the left, maybe not as far uh, here in South Dakota as they have in Brooklyn with uh, uh, nominating a socialist, mm-hmm. um, but certainly the activists who you know, weren't, you know, 100% keen on, on, on Billy uh, asking a Republican to be on his ticket. Um, you know, some of the heartburn felt there from the activists. I mean, this has sort of pushed him more um, sort of an island unto himself within the broader Democrat Party around the, uh, around the state and around the country, I think. Meaning he, he's, um, because Trump brought him up at this event, he has become more isolated from the Democrats. I don't. I, yeah, I, w- I would think so because he, he wanted to immediately and a good campaign manager and a good campaign did send out a release mm-hmm. and a statement to mm-hmm. correct the record. Yeah. Um, and talked about all the times that, yeah. that Sutton has wanted to provide tax relief and yeah. cut taxes. And because and, everybody and, in the state of South Dakota, if you are in the legislature in the state of South Dakota at one time or another, you have had to vote for a sales tax increase. I mean, you just can't escape that. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure that is. But you know, I mean, but for it for them to have to come out and say, "Well, hold on now, we are a we're a tax mm-hmm. cut campaign." Yeah, um, you know, really, you know, might lose any of the a lot of the energy for a lot of the the more liberal Democrats and the activists to to come out on election day. We're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. We're going to come right back with Tony Reese, the KSOO Patrick Lally Show Republican political analyst. After this short message, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe I won't feel so afraid. 
448 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSO. And there's a reason I always play Wilco uh, uh, at the end there. Because it's the antithesis to Kesha, which I should just send Dan next time I'm on a Kesha bumper song. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You should probably, <laughs> we need to, you to send over your own soundtrack. But it, 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 either way, it's a song and it brings everybody, just gets everybody mellowed it out. It does get everybody mellowed out, yeah. You know, everything's going to be fine, Tony. I think I told you that back in uh, January when we were on talking about uh, uh, the President's State of the Union or some tweet or something. I told you, everything's going to be fine, Patrick. Everything's going to be fine. And I, I probably didn't think so then, and I, I'm not totally convinced now. You know, what well, we but have the sunshine in the warm weather does help. Uh, that's right. It was January's another time. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about the state campaigns, but first I got to get your thoughts on. Uh, the Woodward book. I have not read it. I've only read read excerpts. I doubt you've read it. It's only came out yesterday, today, whatever it was. No, I'm still reading Hamilton from a year ago. I'm a pretty <laughs> slow reader. I've got a I've got a toddler and an infant at home. But uh, the the notion that um, it was very it's a very strange thing to hear um, the the Trump administration people trying to discredit Bob Woodward. Okay, who is quite possibly the greatest living American journalist. I think it's a fair Present time. company excluded. Yes. Working journalist. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it, this is a hard, t- I mean, that's because that's the Trump uh, uh, modus operandi is to discredit the person, which is fine. It's a perfectly legitimate tactic, tried and true. But this is Bob Woodward, okay? It's not even uh, Bernstein, Right. Because Bernstein's always been a little crazy. And he's been on CNN now for so long and all that. But Bob Woodward, whose books are in many ways unassailable. Well, Woodward, the one issue I think that a lot of people have, Woodward, I've heard a lot of uh, you know, analysts say that Woodward's issue is, is sort of MO of kind of writing these things anonymously. He does a lot, a lot of the research. I'm not, I'm not second guessing that. Anything that was told to Woodward was probably told to Woodward. Mm-hmm. My my thought on it is: is he what sources is he getting from it? Are people remembering it differently than the primary uh, source? Uh, just for example, uh, it was a Porter and uh, Cohn today you released statements saying that's not Woodward's writing, and where we talked to does not accurately f- reflect their work at the White House and the way things were done. I mean, for for Woodward to sort of assert that, uh, or somebody else to assert to Woodward that, that Porter was part of some sort of uh, scheme to be pulling things off the president's desk. Woodward, or uh, Porter was a staff secretary. His job was to mm-hmm. manage the mm-hmm. inflow and outflow mm-hmm. of documents and make sure that well, only but the nobody's top gonna say on the other hand, there. But, but, you know, the, the assertion that they're swiping things from the desk is uh, is is a hard assertion to make because I don't think that probably happened that way um, at all. And as the president said in, in, in Sioux Falls last Friday, if anybody stole something from, from the resolute desk, he'd have been fired so fast. Sure. If you ever found out about it. Right. And the other thing is nobody's ever going to say anything who's in the administration or was in the administration that is going to make Trump look bad. Um, But even if you take that piece out of it, the idea that the whole book is made up somehow, that Bob Woodward made this book up, but that's that's absurd. Well, I, th- I think the hard the hardest part I think for the president to do, and I think it was smart on Woodward's part, is to release the recording of 
of the president speaking with Woodward uh, shortly after the book was written. Well, the Washington Post did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Woodward's recording. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about how you know Woodward's always been fair to me. Wanted to talk. It starts off. I listened to most of the recording. It starts off very, you know, kind and sort of mm-hmm. you know nice and jovial. And the president's very respectful toward uh, uh, you know toward toward Woodward. I don't think though, after listening to the recording and and the way Woodward said that he tried to get in touch with the president, the avenues he did. I don't think he did it probably full heartedly. Um, or properly, because clearly, when the president's calling you, you're he's willing to speak uh, uh, to you. For uh, for what we're just say, oh, you know, I talked to I talked to a couple people, Republican senators, even. Well, the Republican senators aren't exactly the uh, <laughs> the personal assistant to the president who's managing the calls. No, at the same time, it's not like he didn't put in the interview request. Well, I don't I don't know where you know, I don't I mean, know we'll how officially know he put the interview request in. I mean, and the president did you know see that you know Lindsey Graham oh did say that you know. You wanted to chat, and I'm sure the president thought, okay, he wants to chat. He's going to call, go through the appropriate channels to set the appointment up. And it's quite possible that the people around him didn't let Woodward's message get to the president because they know it's Bob Woodward. Well, that, that could be. I mean, that could be the case with Kellyanne Conway. I yeah. don't know. You know, yeah. it, it, you know it's, it's someplace where the truth is lying. Woodward is saying he, he tried, he tried, he tried. But if you're not trying the right way, then it's, it's going to you know, fall in that sort of someplace. The truth is lying someplace in the middle. Clearly, I don't think the president got the message that Woodward clearly wanted to, to talk and actually set up an interview. But I also don't think that Woodward probably went through the proper Well, and it doesn't mean that, do the, it. The, but it doesn't discredit the book. Either. No, I'm not saying it doesn't discredit the book. I'm saying that, that when the president is out trying to discredit yeah. the book, um, it's hard, makes it, it's a harder case for the president to do it when the president was so willing to talk yeah. to Woodward about, about the stuff. I don't know. It's, a, it's, um, it's fascinating though. It is. Because it is the intersection of of two very strong forces, right? Yeah, it's there's there's everybody else, and then there's Bob Woodward in my mind, and that's always that's been that way for fifty forty years. How many? I time is slipping away from me, Tony. It's been a long time, <laughs> and I've read several of his books, and they're all been great. So I, I look forward to reading this one. Yeah. I might. I don't. I've never read any Woodward books. So oh, I the should. Brethren. You should read the Brethren. Actually, okay. that was the first Woodward book I ever read, and it was about the Supreme Court, in the the, the Warren Court. It was awesome. I'll check it out. Yeah. Anyway, Tony Reese. He's the uh, Patrick Lally Show uh, Republican political anal- analyst, and we love having him on. Tony, thanks a lot. Thank you. Coming up after the break, here we'll tell you what's going to happen tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show. This is Information One Thousand KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Coming up on Friday, this is a good one from the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society, Marilyn Scott and the West Coast All Stars. Eight PM at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Sioux Falls. For more information, go to KSO.com. On the show tomorrow, we've got Wendy Giebink from Nami, South Dakota, will be with us. Scott Hudson's on Weird Friends, and Thea Miller Ryan at the Outdoor Campus. Going to be a great day, everybody. Join us from 3 to 5. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.